Yeah, we're going to do it all over again. We're on episode six. Welcome to On A Pair, the podcast about Worcestershire County Cricket Club. It's three friends talking about the game they love and the team they follow and all kinds of nonsense in between. As always, I've got my good friend Daryl Butler with me. How are you, Daz? I'm great, Jim. How you doing, mate? You okay? You had a good week? Yeah, I have had a good week. I found out I'm having a girl, Daz. Oh, yeah. Fantastic news. That's great news. I'm really hey, chuffed. I'm surprised I haven't had it yet. That was about three weeks ago you, you announced that. So. I know. We've still got some issues with the gestation period, mate. It's, it's going to be yeah. mid to late October. Stick with me. But yeah. Uh, no, that's the end of August. Wow, this is turning oh, into an interview, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear my great news? Oh, I'm not sure. Go on, then. Go on. I've got some Pfizer in me. You've had a vaccine? Yeah, jab number one. Jab number one. I mean, yeah, every time I... If I ever want you to be jabbed, ideally it would be by Evander Holyfield in a rage. But um, <laughs> but that's okay. Daz, congratulations. Well done. Thank so Daz has had a vaccine. I'm having a little girl. Pete, what's your news, son? I've got vaccine number two booked in, if that's, uh, if that's a bit of one-upmanship on Daryl. Oh, I take... Well, that, uh, that is, isn't it? If we're having a vaccine off, I've got I've had nothing. I'm older than well, you lot. How, how are you sidestepping all this? Well, I think you must be healthier than us too. <laughs> Oh God, help us! If I if I'm the healthy one of the bunch, then uh, then there are some serious questions that need asking. Uh, good week then, Pete. Uh, not too bad. I got off to a terrible start because I had a socially distanced outdoor beverage with you two, um, but, it, <laughs> but it picked up from then on in as the rain fell and the opportunity to repeat that exercise went out the window. So uh, yeah, it improved dramatically. Well, the jabs just keep on coming, does? That's a brutal assessment of our social company, isn't it? How come when we're allowed back inside somewhere, the sun's suddenly come out? It's the best day of the year so far. Oh, no, you can go back inside now. Well, no, the, the thing is, mate, it is, it is optional. It is optional. It's not like yeah. you now have to be inside <laughs> yeah, you when you were, inside, when you did have to be outdoor. Look, there, there's there's government advice on online. I, I suggest you check it out during, uh, during the news or something. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> before this all falls off a cliff, gentlemen, um, let's crack on with the news. Um, right, I suppose we better start with the state of the game. And uh, what's going on with the ECB, Daz? Life isn't great financially, is it? Well, it's the same as everybody else, isn't it? So it, we've announced a loss of £16 million in the last financial year, um, revenue down £21 million. And you think, well, it's pandemic-related, isn't it? It's, um, no fans allowed in the grounds, the cost of things like the biosecure bubbles and, and what have you. But according to Scott Smith, it's not. He's the chief financial officer, and he is blaming the postponement of the 100. So if that had been taking place with uh, with no fans in the ground, then obviously everything would have been absolutely fine. Baffling. What? The, the, exactly. the reason why they're in debt is, is because the 100 didn't happen, not because all of cricket was cancelled to spectators. <laughs> that was the uh, primary reason, apparently, was the 100 being cancelled. Right. So uh, if that's saving cricket, then God help us. It, it is what it is, isn't it, really? As as with yeah, any spectator yeah, yeah. sport. It's another non-story, I think, isn't it? Every, everyone, well, apart I mean, from the top end of football where they're raking in millions on the TV money. Um, I'd say, well, I'd say a non-story is a bit harsh given the fact that the ECB heavily funds county cricket in all, all well, kinds of ways. Well, sorry, I was going to say they've pumped £100 million into, um, into the counties over the last year. So, it, I mean, the £60 million doesn't actually look that bad, does it? It's all gone out of the reserves, uh, which are there for things like global pandemics, aren't they? So, 
Yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, actually, on the state of the game, um, we spoke a few weeks back about ticketing at New Road, and we were invited for a chat, and I, I went to the club uh, last week to have a chat with a guy who's kind of head of operations, a guy called David Hoskins. And it was uh, it was very, very pleasant just to be at New Road, first and foremost, but I'll just tell you what he told me about the ticketing prices, how it's £35 to go and watch Worcestershire versus the Birmingham Bears, 30 quid for, for everywhere else. And he just basically explained, these are the reasons. And what we what we really wanted, gents, wasn't it, was just some transparency from the club, and, and he's been good enough to provide it. So the ticketing prices are based on the following. So in the first instance, the capacity of the ground, and it's the second smallest in the county cricket circuit behind Sussex, then it's the high percentage of members to the small capacity. So because Worcestershire has a lot of members, the amount of tickets they can actually sell to the general public are relatively small and they have to monetize it. And then he's pointed out that the demand for the Bears fixture is such that that price is about right because they could sell it several times over. And that also the T20 fixtures are actually graded with one platinum, two gold, and two silver, and two bronze games, and they are ticketed accordingly. It transpires that the ticket pricings that we have seen are for the higher-end games. So, um, thoughts on that, gents? I mean, it's, for me, it's sort of what we expected in many ways with regards to membership and, and on-the-gate sales. Um, interesting to hear, and good to hear about the, the gradings. be interesting which games uh, that those brackets fall under. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. Good for the club to come back to us as well, because as you said, it was all about transparency. Yeah, we kind of said, look, if that's what it's got to be, because there is limited space and they've got to make some money, um, then that was cool. So, yeah, I mean... Overall, I'm, I, we spent about an hour and a half together at club, David and I, just having a chat about um, stuff and things and life and cricket. And, and I have to say, it, it was really reassuring and refreshing to spend time with someone at the club who is going to try hard to be inclusive and transparent. Um, those are two words that he used quite regularly. So that's grand. I mean, I won't go into the details of what we talked about because that's, uh, that's his news, not ours. But it was reassuring. And we'd all like it to be cheaper, I think. But um, they have to charge what they have to charge. And yeah, as you say, Pete, it's good that they got back to us um, and we're happy to have that conversation. So good on them in that regard. Absolutely. Um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, Pete, you've, you've been gurning. <laughs> I have. Um, there was the announcement this week that Harry Gurney, the Nottinghamshire Seamer, has had to retire at 34 because of a shoulder injury. Gurney took 628 wickets during his professional career and he was a big uh, part of their T20 uh, campaigns over the last few years. So uh, just to acknowledge uh, his role in county cricket, and I thought it would give Dad a nice opportunity to give him an official honour pair send-off like he did for Ed Smith. <laughs> like all the best for the future. <laughs> That's the one. I'll send you a card. <laughs> but uh, Gurney, good cricketer. Uh, you know, that left arm seamer. He was one of those guys. He's, it reminds me a bit like Reese Topley in that he wasn't ever really quite good enough to be an international cricketer, but was a really top end county pro. And yeah, if you, if you take over 600 wickets in first class cricket, then uh, you've got to be doing not bad at all, especially when he, he retired at 34 and had plenty of injuries along the way. He played a handful of games for England, didn't he? But yeah, I think the assessment is right. Yeah. Well, good on Harry Gurney. Um, uh, and there's uh, some Hampshire news as well. Yes, some really good news uh, because we can now reclaim our rightful nickname as the Royals. <laughs> Hampshire have dropped it for the coming uh, season for T20 cricket and for the, uh, the uh, longer campaign. And uh, yeah, they're now going to be renamed the uh, Hampshire Hawks. So we can pick up where we lost, uh, left off and be renamed the Worcestershire Royals. How do we feel about that? I mean, I kind of don't want it back now because they stole it from us. I'm like, I don't know. No, forget about it. We're the Rapids. We're mainly underwater anyway. We're the Rapids, thanks very much. 
yeah, and, and it describes our run rate these days because we're, you know we're a good uh, good T20 side. I, I tell you, forced to keep it actually. No, you're not having your old name back. Rapid. <laughs> was, that's a good point, Daz. Rapid by name, rapid by nature. Absolutely. Yeah. That should has that been done? It should be done. Maybe we should we should done. work on that. Um, and and on that bombshell, Daz Worcestershire watch. I feel like it might be a short uh, Worcestershire watch this week. What's going on? Well, do you want the good news or would you like the bad news? Oh, let's start with the good. Come on. Oh no, we've got to start with the bad. Well, why did you ask me then? You do, you, no, the answer is you have the bad news first, and then you have the good news pudding afterwards. To, to... <laughs> All right, ask me again. Ask me again. Ask me again. Ask me again. Right, would you like the good news or the bad news? I'll have the good news, please. I like pudding best. <laughs> no, go on, let's have the bad news. Come on, Daz, hit us with the it. Bad news for... Okay, the seconds were due to play Derbyshire on Monday, but unfortunately that fell victim to the weather. Would you like some good news instead? Yeah, go on then, mate. Well, the ladies, the women's Worcestershire Rapids, they were due to play Somerset on Sunday. That was also rained off, and that's good news because it meant we were able to catch up with Chloe, the captain, for an interview, weren't we, Jim? Oh, yes, of course, yeah. So Chloe Hill, the Worcestershire captain, uh, women's Rapids, um, she listens to the podcast, how cool is that? And she said, hey, I'll come on and have a chat because we like if any of the women's players want to come on. Brilliant, we'll have a bit of that. Um, so we will be hearing from Chloe a little bit later on. Um, the game was rained off, though, so I was in half a mind to, uh, to to not play the interview, and here's for why. Good luck against Somerset. Beat them twice, please. Um, yes, I hope so. Or you're not allowed on the podcast ever again. I'll be banned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, Amazing. Right. Well, there we are. Uh, rained off. They didn't win the two games against Somerset, so technically, technically, technically she... Yeah. She is banned. But um, we, will, we will play out the interview later. She's a really good company. Uh, we talked for ages. It could have been half an hour, but we've, we've kept it to within the remits of a sensible time frame. So we'll deal with that in due course. But I suppose, gentlemen, we should probably move on to the meaty part of the show. And for once, we have a result. It's taken us six games to get there, but we finally have a result. It's not the result that we'd have liked, though. Worcestershire, in the end, comfortably beaten by Durham. 258 runs was the margin of victory. Um, So, I suppose, first things first, gentlemen, the rotation policy continues. What do we make of team selection? Yeah, I've had a few comments about the rotation policy, and I'm going to add some more. Sorry, everyone. Um, obviously, uh, Joseph rested this time round. My, my issue with the rotation policy is it seems that it's already predetermined who is going to drop out. Um, obviously, I don't know that that is the case, but that, that's how it appears. And my concern there is that you are not letting your best bowlers have pick of, of the, the wickets. You know, um, Joseph, Joseph has toiled away trying to take wickets on, on flat decks, offering nothing. And I think he would have provided a, a really good option on this wicket. Um, you know, you look at the Durham lineup; they had a couple of bowlers who were moving the ball significantly and then Mark Wood for pure pace. So, obviously, we wait and see how the rotation policy continues. But that, that's my concern, is that it seems pre-selected. I mean, I'd have quite liked to have seen, oh, sorry, Joseph, because he pitches the ball up a little bit more um, on that deck. What, what were your initial thoughts then, Daz? I'd talk about Joseph. I would like to have seen him bat on there as well because I think we could have done with um, been a little bit more aggressive with the bat, to be honest with you, especially towards the end of the, the two innings. Well, the second innings, we'd, we'd lost the game, hadn't we? But, I mean, that first innings, when we started putting a bit of bat on ball, we put on nearly 100 for the last two wickets, didn't we? And I think Joseph could have uh, put a bit more pressure onto the Durham bowlers into the first innings. And, we, you never know, we might have come out of it, out of it with the lead. But... And how many times have we relied on 8, 9 and 10 and 11 this season? 8, 9 and 10. 8, 9, 10 and 11 this season. 
Uh, I mean, the tail's got us out of trouble so many times. Um, but let, look, let's let's start from the beginning here because we we were we were saying last week Worcestershire. Let's hope they win the toss and stick them in because that's generally sort of what happens and that's how it tends to go. But on day one, on Thursday, the sun was shining, the weather was sweet. Yeah, we they, we, we had the we we, we were, wrong days, didn't we? We gave them the best batting conditions. If you put it, if you break it down, dead simple. Day one, you know, first innings, day one, second innings, day two, etc. The best two days to bat were day one and day three, and we won the toss and put them in, and they basically batted on day one and day three, and they beat us comfortably. I it, know it's it not- feels like you're right, but I think we gave them the best of the batting conditions by not bowling as well as they did. It's pure and simple. I don't think toss. I don't do with it to be quite honest with you. Um, I mean, they said they'd have bowled first. Every single team that won the toss this weekend bowled first. Yeah, no. uh, whether it's the right decision or not, I don't know, but I don't think it made a difference. We didn't bowl well enough. We we were we kept they, they got way more than par in the first innings. We were 126 for eight. A little bit of a, a wag from the tails kept us in the game. But it, well, I mean, you say that it, it, it wouldn't have made a difference, but when you lose by 258 runs, you, I'm imagining it probably would have made some difference. I mean, we might not we might have only lost by 150. But you know, it's. I know you can't you can't decide a coin toss exclusively on the weather and predictions on the weather. But it ultimately was it the right decision to put them in? The answer is no, because we got hammered and they had the best of the batting conditions. So we should have given ourselves the best of the batting conditions. I'm not going to beat them up for that particularly, because as you point out, is that everyone who's won the toss has just said right, you're batting, and everyone at Durham who's won the toss says right, you're batting. But we've never won at Chesterfield Street. We might just be cursed. I mean, I see what you're saying there, Jim, and, and there is obviously merit to that. Um, I think, obviously, there's a lot of considerations when you when you make the toss, what your team's comfortable with. Uh, you know, the, the weather is only a forecast at that stage, and you have obviously can only see the wicket in front of you and make a, a prediction about how it might behave on the latter days. Um, but so to back up what Daryl said, that was what Joe Leach confirmed in the interview, wasn't it? He said that they felt that they let them get above par on day one. They thought 200 was a good score, uh, and we let them get 240, which put us on the, on the back foot straight away. Yeah, um, I, and Durham were able to cash in as a result. Yeah, this this is all true. Um, how, you can't you can't go on a weather forecast, but you can you can decide on what the weather is when you're stood on that day. On day one, the sun was shining. On day three. Um, when they predominantly batted on day three, Durham made 389 for five in their second innings. So, I mean, how over par was that for... Do, do you see what I mean? Like, it's, we, we've been hammered there. Absolutely. And, uh, and just to, sorry, just to go back to something you said previously or you said to us previously in a, in a WhatsApp chat is that, um, you know, we've got some very good bowlers uh, technically and Tung especially, nice to have him back in amongst the wickets. But you sort of feel that our... Our side, our bowling tack is a little bit one-dimensional, which ties in with what I was saying previously about Joseph. He offers you something a little bit different, even if it's nothing more than raw pace. And you just sort of felt that we, not that we were going through the motions, but we didn't have any opportunity to mix it up. Yeah, no, I, I, it, it's a really good point. And I, I, I tell you what, from watching the first morning, right? From the first morning, we opened up the bowling. We opened up with Leach and Barnard, right? And I get why they went for Barnard because you know a bit of movement, that sort of pace. Um, and you look at the the, the Durham attack, um, and they actually they exploit those conditions at Chesterfield Street brilliantly. They're just brilliant at it. They're experts on that wicket, and it's no great surprise that Worcester have come up short. But I felt you could tell early on, um, Leach and Barnard not rapid by any stretch. You had Lees and Young were batting on off peg. And they were batting out their crease, and they were negating any movement really that they were they were able to generate. And it looked kind of easy, 
at times. And Leeds is 99. Was a, it was a fabulous innings. Um, I know Tung came in and started causing trouble with a bit of extra pace and bounce. But, but we looked relatively innocuous for large periods. There were, there were kind of clatterings of wickets, kind of um, twos and threes together. We made that deck look pretty benign because when, when um, Durham got on it, I mean, they really beat us up. I mean, I, yeah, I can't, can't disagree. And I felt like, I mean, Leach, Leach ended up getting a wicket in his seventh or eighth over. I felt like I felt like we stuck with the, the Barnard-Leach approach far too long. I felt like we wasted the new ball. Yeah, yeah it, it did have it the feel like from Warwickshire again, doesn't it? Is it just that, we, is it just that given, given the nature of, of things, do we just lack a little bit of, do we lack teeth in the bowling attack? It could just be that. I mean, they're trying. I mean, it's not, they're not bowling with, uh, without plenty of skill and determination and grit. But again, we've we've taken fifteen wickets in a game at uh, Chestula Street, and the opposition have declared to set us a, a high total of four hundred and twenty odd to win. So we're not getting close to bowling teams out twice. You know, it's not that we're we're nearly doing it. We're not getting close to it. Um, and yet again, I think this, the, the bowling attack. I haven't done the numbers because I was just a bit too. It was too depressing. Yet again, so Durham in the first innings, Lee's gets ninety nine. In the second, Young hundred. Uh, Burnham 100, Eckersley 86. If you play against Worcestershire in the county championship this season, one of your team will score 100, if not two. And we've already had double hundreds and 150s as well. That's yeah, concer- right. I think that's concerning. No, we haven't got close to it. I don't think we have. I don't think we have, have we? You can't win a game if you don't do that. Sorry, most we've had is 15 wickets, I think, in a game. And that's when the opposition has declared to put us under pressure to try and win. Yeah, yeah. So Durham and Derbyshire... And that's the most disappointing thing about this game, isn't it? You know, we can forgive some of the performances before that because the decks were a factor or the state of the game or, you know, lost a day to rain. But this was a wicket for a result. And at the time we had an opportunity to put a win on the board and stretch away from Durham. We we just haven't done it and we've been outplayed, unfortunately. Whether that's because of bad decisions, whether that's because our plans haven't been executed properly, and a little bit of bad luck in there as well. Um, you know, moving on to, to Daryl Mitchell's innings in the second innings with him getting struck on the hand, etc. But yeah, we've we've just come up far too short in this game. Yeah, out, out batted, out bowled. We were better fielding side though, which is a nice change. Slip catching was much better. Yeah, um, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. For 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 those who ha- haven't been following it in depth, so Worcester should put Durham in. Two hundred and forty-six all out they were. Um, Josh Tang, the pick of the bowlers, nine, um, five. Th- 39 really good performance i thought morris bowled really well actually it suit the deck suited him 17 overs two for 61 two for leach one for barnard in reply worcestershire had a difficult time of things at one point we were 126 for eight um libby i thought libby made 24 opening up off 50 balls and it was one of the best 24s i've actually ever seen and what I will say, I thought Libby and uh, Fell were fabulous in that total of 213 all out. They, uh, I mean, th- those conditions, to, the, to be fair to the batsmen, those conditions were incredibly challenging, weren't they? It was cold yeah. and wet you, and overcast. If you didn't see any of it, just uh, have a look at the number of buys in, in both innings to see how much the ball was moving about. Because the keeper I mean, didn't have a clue what was going on half the time. The start of day two, though, should have come with a warning, shouldn't it? Of those of a nervous yeah. disposition, please look away now because it was a <laughs> it was a dreadful watch to see the ball flying as far as it did to the keepers left and right. I wouldn't wouldn't as Daz said, look at the buys because I wouldn't have wanted to be a wicketkeeper in that game. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and, and Mitchell, I mean, Mitchell made five from twenty-seven balls, but my God, did he work hard? I mean, you, what I will say with that with that batting performance, you can't really lay any blame at the batsman. It was they it, it was a position where Rushworth took. Um, uh, 556 
Rain two for twenty seven, but every delivery that Ben Rain sent down, you felt like something was going to happen. Cast the yeah. same. Wood was Wood was just rapid. It was a brilliant bowling performance in incredibly favourable conditions. Worcestershire were on a hiding to nothing there, uh, and were it not for um, a really gutsy um, swashbuckling, it always is with with uh, with Leach, isn't it? Forty two not out. Tongue with seventeen and Morris with a gutsy twenty one at the end. That we went from one two eight for eight to 213 all out, which meant we were sort of still in the game just about. Um, the only thing I would say about our innings, and, I, you know, I, it's hard for me to sit here and, and, and say this with any great certainty because I have no batting technique whatsoever, but I just felt that was there an opportunity? You know, the batsman, obviously, there was a ball with your name on it at any moment. And was there an opportunity to perhaps be a little bit more aggressive and try and knock the bowler off off their line, if more than anything, because Rushworth was just bowling top of off, wasn't he? Um, to try and take the game to them a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, if, yeah. if we get five aggressive shots and five wickets for no runs, then we say it's a bad idea. But it just felt like we were waiting for that delivery to come. And yeah, we weren't drawing the results. As soon as Leach started putting bat on ball, um, I mean, they... They stopped sort of. They stopped hitting top of off every time, didn't they? They stopped trying to swing the ball. They were trying to bowl bouncers at him and things like that. And you thought, well, what are you, what are you doing? Just keep doing what you were doing. Um, right, you know, I think I think you're right. But you'll get your wicket eventually. And then they brought Borthwick on, didn't they? And you just thought, well, I couldn't understand what they were doing. And Durham Durham did not bowl well towards the end of that innings. Um, I think no. I think you're right. You what we, we were probably asking for was a counter attack. Um, and the, the the difficulty I think there was with that. I'm. I'm all for it. I'm all for number six or number seven saying, right, let's have a dig then. It's difficult because when you when you bat as deep as you do, when you have um, Barnard coming in at number eight, who can bat properly? He's just going to think, I'm going to stay yeah. in here and bat a proper innings and bat a responsible innings. Um, which yeah, are to- I mean, we're which not I- saying Haynes and Dolly should have done it at the start it's, of the it, innings. But, it's, um- it's, um, it's a difficult one, and, and I understand the decision not to do it. I think the problem is it may well have come, but if it was going to come from anyone, you'd have thought Ricky Vessels would have been the guy or possibly Ben Cox, but neither of them, they've both got a 50 earlier on in the season, but neither of them have been in particularly good form with the bat. So they're probably thinking, I need to get some runs here. I need to dig in and show that I'm a proper batsman. And we, we oh, know okay. they are. We know they've got quality, but you'd have thought Vessels or Cox would have been the people to go, or at least you know try and try and be aggressive. But I think probably a little bit of lack of confidence, a lack of form, and a sense you know that the pressure of responsibility might have stopped them. But I, I yeah. totally agree with you. you. You felt that the leech, the leech deciding to come down the wicket, try and knock the bowlers off their length, just have a go and try and get some runs on the board before he gets done. Um, it did affect um, the quality of bowling he then faced. I thought actually I thought. Um, Mark Wood bowled pretty ordinarily at him. He lost his he lost his line very quickly when um, when Leach was having a go, and it made life easier for the, the people batting with him. The only reason I suggested it really was because it reminded me of the day night game that we had at Chesterley Street, where we got Durham eighteen for five, and their number six or seven batsman, I think it was number seven actually, um, he did exactly that. He went on the counter attack, and he didn't go after ridiculous shots. He just went slightly short, slightly wide, and he managed to get a quick fire relatively quick fire, 50 or 60, and got Durham up from 18 to 5 to 170. So you could say it was very much similar to what Leach did. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with your points around the, the middle order and the lack of confidence. Yeah. Um, so uh, Durham, then we kind of thought, well, may- maybe if we have a good day here and we can roll them for 110, we might have a little chase in our hands because we've, we've seen some low scores at Chester Street, but uh, in reply, two, uh, three, 389 for 5. 
Um, and uh, it was pretty quickly, despite an early wicket from Morris, who bowled Leeds for 12, it looked pretty quickly that the game was running away from Worcestershire. And again, it was a case of let's just keep a lid on the runway rate and try and keep them in the field for as long as possible because the less time we have to bat, the better. Um, uh, Burnham played beautifully for his 102. If at times, you know, a little bit later on, a little bit slower... Um, Eckersley, Ned Eckersley, by the way, has got the best name in the county game. And I'm, I just, <laughs> Ned Eckersley sounds like he should be a young apprentice in a in a bakery or a butcher's in Yorkshire in like 1930 or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's a name from a different time, Ned Eckersley. I reckon there's there's a, an Eckersley cake. I think he's going to invent the Eckersley cake. Yeah, well, like a like the marketing purposes, you have to change it slightly from an Eccles cake. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, yeah, we we just we didn't look threatening at all, really, in the second innings. To be to be perfectly honest, um, the only time we bowled well was towards the end of the innings when we were trying to keep them out there as long as possible and keep Burnham off strike because yeah. we made well, that last another ten overs, really, to be honest, longer than it should have done. Um, we were scratching our heads a little bit, thinking, I mean, Durham might muck this up. They really, are, I mean, why are they why are they leaving us four hundred and twenty three? We'll get we'll get skipped yeah. for two fifty here. Well, I was sort of thinking, you know, if the rain intervenes and we end up eight down or something, it'll be their own fault. Uh, but obviously they rolled over in the end. But uh, yeah, that was, I think, the containing bowling, we did quite well. But that was, it's no point in being good at doing that if, if you can't take 20 wickets in a game, is there? Yeah, we, 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 take, go on, Pete. I'm going to take some responsibility for this, our second innings, though, because I was asked by somebody whether we'd managed to see it out for a draw. And I said, and I quote, well, you'd be disappointed if you got rolled over inside two sessions, wouldn't you? <laughs> so you can blame me for that one. Well, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it, really? Because actually, um, Mitchell and Libby um, started really well. Was it 60 for no loss at the close or something something along those lines? And they looked it was good. 60, yeah. Looked well, good and, and, it's off. And, um, uh, and actually, it was just... When you... Roll up on day four, you think, oh, maybe, or might, there might be a bit of rain about. And especially when the game got delayed, I thought, oh, we might just get away with this. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great? They've asked, they've asked, us, they've asked us to chase 420-odd, and, uh, and we'll be 115 for six or something, having played 35 overs or something in the day. Um, but, but unfortunately, you, you looked at the, the, the cloud cover, it was cold and wet and grotty, and we never stood a chance. We were we, we were well and truly beaten up. I, I will say that um, Daryl Mitchell was positive and, and batted well. Libby got 36. He was dropped three times. Um, Dolavera was dropped. Um, Haynes, well, I tell you, um, I nearly called him Gavin. Uh, Jack Haynes, he made 24 from 36. Uh, he looks like a really good cricketer. I know it was really difficult conditions for him, but really good for his development as a county pro. He um he reminds me a little bit in, in terms of his setup a little bit like Alex Stewart slightly better he's a he's a better looking player than Alex Stewart but he's got that the front legs just slightly out of the way towards leg and there's that slight readjustment to get in line with the ball just as the ball's ball's being delivered to get in position so that that little shuffle that Alex Stewart used to do it's not quite as pronounced um but um I like his setup I think he's a he's a lovely player to watch Jack Haynes um I'm going to say that every week aren't I I've got a feeling. Yeah, well, hopefully we keep keeping him in the team. I think he's uh, done enough to stay in the, the first eleven. So. Well, I think I'd agree um, with that. And, and, and just the other thing I think, say, is that we've got to tip our hat, haven't we, to Chris Rushworth? Uh, didn't he become Durham's leading wicket taker during this game? So, and it was a phenomenal performance, especially in the uh, in our first innings. That's a great point, Pete. It was an absolute masterclass, wasn't it? Five for fifty-six in the first innings. 
um four for 52 in the second um and uh, and we we never really stood a chance but as i said this this is a really really good quality bowling attack on that deck it's i mean they will exploit those conditions to absolute perfection so you have to be on your game worcestershire weren't and, and we quite frankly got what we deserved um dolavera's dismissal made me angry um, i'm going to say that he gloved one down the leg side to a loose ball it was just slack uh, and that sort of started that little mini collapse of wrestles well, that was, yeah, that went from 130 up for to well, we lost the last seven wickets for about thirty runs, didn't we? And you, you never know because you kind of think, well, just just stay in. Little five over, seven over partnerships make all the difference. When you start, you lose wickets in in close together. You went one three three for three to one three five for six. Then then you've had it because you're not giving yourself a chance for the opportunity of a rain break, are you? So, um, so yeah, that that dismissal annoyed me particularly. Um, and uh, and uh, I, you know, I'm not going to panic and start saying let's ring the changes. But I, I feel with played six, drawn five, lost one, and we don't look close to bowling a team out. I know we've played on some absolute puddings of wickets, um, but I think we can safely say that the hopes of finishing the top two are a little beyond us this year. Is that fair? I'd uh, I'd agree with that. To be fair, we've got some making up to do. Particularly the teams have got a, a game in hand on us. Do we know yet whether we're any good? Weirdly, we're still we're we're fourth in the table, and we're only six points off Essex, who are top. I mean, we have played a game more than four other teams, so it, I mean, oddly, we we are we are we are sort of think, still in range, but I just don't feel like we're going to win much. I think we're as good as we have been for the last twenty years. If this was a too good for the Division Two, and keep dropping out of Division One, we're sort of that middle range team that. Yeah, yeah, it's all the time. We have been for twenty years. There's nothing I've seen this season to change that. Yeah, we're not I, the I worst team in the county circuit. We're not the best team. <laughs> I'd agree with that. I think we're, you know, on our day we can match anyone and yeah, surpass anyone. Yeah. But we also lack consistency, and that I think probably sums us up. Don't forget as well that we're also lacking Moen Ali, who makes a big difference to us domestically. That's a very good point. That's a very good point, Pete, because there's your middle order batsman who can offer up a better spin option. Yeah, strongly agree. Um, but if you, if you look at the table, we've played six games and so have Essex. Everyone else has played five. Essex have won two. Durham have won two. Nottinghamshire have won two. Warwickshire have won two. Only us and Derbyshire haven't won a game. Um, we have Nottinghamshire next week at Trent yeah, Bridge. Nottinghamshire have won the last two and have just had a week off. So thanks for that, ECB. <laughs> yeah. Well, Actually, um, that's a good point, that, because we've just played Durham, we've just had a week off. And now we're next up, we're playing Nottingham. We've just had a week off, so it's, it's another example of the ECB uh, giving Worcestershire the the rubbish fixtures. Is that it's a it's a conspiracy theory that we're going to start yeah. right here? I like it. Was we're not going to just not going to end up to the fact that we're a little bit ordinary this year? We're, no, yeah, it's no, the ECB. They've had it out for us for the start because yeah, they've got absolutely. a shortage on yeah. Liam Perrins and they don't like us. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's hope for better at Trent Bridge, uh, and now. This. Honours board. It is this. The honour pair honours board. It's our opportunity <laughs> to acknowledge the strong performances from players that don't not never play for Worcestershire. And let's face it, it's going to be slim pickings this week because it was predominantly, well, it was wet, wasn't it? So not a lot of cricket was played. So uh, let's go to you first, Pete. Who have you selected for your honour pair honours board nominee? Well, I tried to sneak in a Worcestershire player uh, a couple of weeks ago in Wayne Parnell. I'm going to do the same again. And I've gone for Kyle Abbott. 
Um, Kyle Albert played in the uh, Hampshire victory against Middlesex, comprehensive victory actually, uh, and he took he took six for 44 off 18 overs in the first innings, and he took five for 41 off 9.5 overs in the second innings, as Hampshire won, uh, well, as I say, by an absolute bucket load. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's my nomination. Ah, uh, eleven for. How, how can you argue with that? The answer is you can't argue with that, really, can you? Because I mean, it's an odd one, really, because Middlesex made 172 and kind of thought, right, it's going to be tricky. Um, but Hampshire were in real bother. They were nine for three, and at one point, um, 73 for six. So uh, were it not for Keith Barker, one, two, seven for seven. Keith Barker basically making 84, batting down the order. But uh, seven wicket win for Hampshire, comfortable when they were in the doghouse at nine for three. Does is it an honours board? Is it is it worthy? Yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? Yeah, 11 for, can't argue with that. And they've looked like they could uh, break into the top two in that group as well. I think Gloucester are going to absolutely run run over that group, aren't they? They're well clear. So between Hampshire and Somerset, Hmm. uh, that might have just given them a chance of uh, nicking second spot, I think. Yeah, South African Inti, um, Abbott. Yeah, we had him for a season in 2016, uh, and he's been playing for Hampshire ever since. And the Hampshire bowling lineup. Uh, with him in it, it has been much better. They've had some really good overseas signings to accompany him as well. So, yeah, Hampshire, a very dangerous bowling side. And, and Kyle Abbott has been uh, well amongst the wickets. I think he averages 20 in first-class cricket as well. So, uh, pr- absolutely prolific, prolific bowler. That's a great shout, Pete. You're all over it. And as always, you, sir, are a stat machine. Um... I try to be. Well, well, you know, get up, get on up. That's not getting released as a single, is it? Um. Anyway, I, I, let's let's leave let's leave James Brown alone. There, we won't we won't do any remixing with Stat Machine. Nobody needs that. Um. Right. Um. Well, if we're going to go for large wicket halls, I spe- I, I suppose really I should um I should uh, head my way to Essex, and I'm going to go for a twirly man. So my nominee is going to be uh, the best spinner in county cricket, and that's Simon Harmer. Um, it's this. I reckon this this can't be too tricky. Either. This might be the easiest honours board ever. Um, first innings, eighty runs conceded in uh, just under twenty six overs. He took nine wickets. Took nine wickets. Um, so Derbyshire all out for one hundred and forty six, uh, and that was in reply to a mammoth four hundred and twelve for three declared by Essex. Essex can really really pile on the runs want to. Um, 50s for Brown and Cook Wesley with a ton Dan Lawrence with 152 he's got to play for England more hasn't he um, and then in the second innings Harmer uh, took three wickets for 122 who cares about that he bowled nearly 50 overs the run rate was good um, so he took 12 wickets in the match uh, not quite as sexy as Abbott overall but if you take nine in one innings then that's pretty special agreed in infamy yeah can't argue with that nine in innings straight in there yeah. put him on the list Kumble-esque. Right, okay, we're going to rattle through it. Right, Daz, what have you got? You've got to have a shoe in as well, surely. Well, do you know what? You've already mentioned mine. I'm going to stay in Essex, and I'm going to take the Jim Dale approach to the honours board. (laughs) Go on. I'm sure our listeners will remember last week when you picked Tom Taylor, who took the (laughs) one wicket, which uh, Samson and Berg didn't get for Northamptonshire. So I have gone for Dan Lawrence, who took the other wicket <laughs> <laughs> in the uh, in the Derbyshire innings against Essex. But he got that one five two that you just mentioned not out as well in the first innings. 
152 not out. Took me one wicket, more importantly, in the second inning. So I know Jim will be uh, fully in favour of that one. Well, I mean, if if I was going to be churlish, I'd say no. Um, But... did Tom I Taylor? Did, if you haven't got the one five two, but <laughs> yeah, did Tom Tom Tommy Taylor didn't make it, did he? Um, no, he didn't. No, no. But um, I mean, it was your pick, so you can't yeah. deny my. Clear, uh, look, I mean, Dan Lawrence gets in for the for the batting alone. One hundred and fifty two, not out. One hundred and thirty three balls, sixteen fours, six sixes. That's that's ridiculous. Um, and you're right. When's he, he going to be getting more games for England? Tony? Oh, I, do you know what? I think I think he's I think he's a shoe in for the England middle order for for the yeah. years to come. I think him him and Ollie Pope um, are the way forward. Him, Ollie Pope, and Joe Root. Uh, as as to where they bat Lawrence, who knows? Who knows? Um, it's it's that tricky thing, isn't it? Trying to figure out the the, the top order, the one, two, three. But I I feel like if if they're going to stick with. Crawley at three, then it's probably Pope at five, Lawrence at six. Um, but I, for me, I think Lawrence. Ha- I think Lawrence has to play. I think he's earned the right. Uh, and more to the point, he's having a better season than all of the people he's competing with. Yes. Yeah. I um, think um, we'll have. Should we have a look at our uh, potential England teams? You know, any other business? Oh, for next yeah, week. Do you, do you want my opinion yeah. on Lawrence well, well, for the well, honours well, board, yeah, or are you? <laughs> do you not care? <laughs> yeah. No, go on, go on, Dan Lawrence, does he make the honours board? He does get make the honours board for me, but I also like to uh, give a mention to the Essex skipper for opening up the bowling with two spinners. Absolutely lovely stuff. Oh yes, Pete. <laughs> That's. I mean, I didn't. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah Harbour and Lawrence. <laughs> I mean, Dan Lawrence has got one of the strangest bowling actions I've ever seen. It's all sort of widdly. It's like Mister Tickle from the Mister Men. <laughs> like, bend the arms all over the shop. It's less than economical in terms of effort. Have you Have you never seen Pete bowl? Um, mercifully, no. I, I played to a reasonably good standard. I mean, Dan, Dan Lawrence. I mean, he, that might well be. He might well be. With all due respect, I mean, he's a fabulous cricket. Might be the worst bowler to open the bowling in a first-class cricket match ever. Um, it's got to be the first time that a team has been ahead of the over rate uh, after the first ten overs. Yeah, I mean, it's not. He's not a bad bowler at all. I mean, no disrespect in that, but you know, well, anyway, um, it's great, great spot, Pete. I didn't notice, but you're absolutely right. Brilliant. So, Dan Lawrence, honours board, yes or no, Pete? Yes. There we are. Clean sweep. Easy as you like this week, isn't it? Really? Because barely any games, much. barely any games got played. As you mentioned, it took three days for Hampshire to um, beat up Middlesex. They won by seven wickets. Durham, as we know, uh, beat Worcestershire up pretty nastily. Essex, another big win. And innings and 15 runs against Derbyshire. Surrey against Somerset. They couldn't even get halfway through the first innings. Match drawn. Glamorgan, Yorkshire. Match drawn. Couldn't get any results. And the same for Sussex, Kent. Match drawn. But we did have the spectacle of Ollie Robinson bowling to Ollie Robinson in that game. Robinson, the, the Kent keeper, and Ollie Robinson, the, the Sussex seamer. I think Ollie Robinson, the Sussex seamer, has a very good chance of getting some England action this summer too. Anyway... Uh, let's move on. As we mentioned a little bit earlier on, is that we've got um, we've got a bona fide proper guest. We were lucky enough to have Chloe Hill, who's the captain of the Worcestershire Rapids women's team. She also plays for Central Sparks. Um, she's wicketkeeper and uh, a middle order bat as well. Super talented, and was kind enough to speak to me a little bit earlier on. 
I played at Worcestershire now for, I think this is my fifth season off the top of my head. I originally run from Buckinghamshire. So I played all of my age group cricket from Bucks all the way up to the women's and then made the move when I played against Worcester five years ago, got a 50 and decided to move over to Worcester. How does it work? Because you, you still live in Buckinghamshire, don't you? Yes, I live in Buckinghamshire. So originally I went on a two-year loan from Buckinghamshire to Worcestershire. And then after the two years, you become a fully alleged player for that county. Right, OK. Yeah, um, as simple as that. As a female cricketer, obviously there's, there's, it's much more high profile now, the women's game, and rightly so. And it's getting more support. Um, yeah. So what, what was the journey like for you then? How did it start for you, I suppose? I have the memories of being three years old of a cricket bat, walking around the boundary at my dad's cricket matches. He used to coach my brothers, so cricket-orientated family. Dad's played cricket all his life. It being j- around that environment, like Friday nights, Saturdays. So it just made sense, pick up a bat and learn to yeah, play. Yeah, pick up a bat and walk around the boundary and learn to play, yeah. Well, there are, there are plenty of people that play sport for leisure, but to be at a level where you're captaining Worcestershire, you know, and that's that's a serious level. Yeah. When when did you first realise you were any good? So when I was young, I always played football alongside cricket. So I played football for Oxford United and MK Dons. So then I got to the age of probably like 15, 16, and I was like, right, no, cricket is where I want to go. I enjoy it more, and I'm succeeding better, more in it. And also, who doesn't like playing sports in the sun as well? So... Yeah, I was a cricketer, N- nowhere near as good as you, but I mean, the, the, <laughs> the lunch and the tea intervals were brilliant. Oh, amazing, best part. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind running around having a game of football, but if you can stop from a game of cricket and have a few donuts, a cup of tea and a sandwich, that's dreaming. and a cake, yeah, you can't, <laughs> yeah. The best part. <laughs> right, so, um, so you also play for Central Sparks. Yeah. How is that different then to playing for Worcestershire? suppose it's just the level it's classed at now. So obviously Central Sparks is in a class as an elite criteria of cricket where women are now being paid to play cricket, which is incredible, really. It's where we want it to keep going and eventually want the whole team to be professional cricketers. That, that's the level of where the Central Sparks and the regional teams want to go. The whole team is professional. And what's the plan for you then? I, I suppose, is it England Honours? Is, is that the main aim? I would say a few years ago that was the main aim, but now we've got this whole new regional structure level. We've got a pathway now where we can say, right, we're professional level, and if you play well in that, then the next step would be, but my next step at the moment is to try and aim to get a professional contract full-time with the regional setup. In what you've seen then, because you're still, you're still a young player, aren't you? Because you're, you're still yeah. mid-20s. How has the game changed, both in the way that you play it and also the, the, the structure of the women's game? How has that changed over the past, say, 10 years? Oh, you've definitely got more opportunities now than what you used to have. Like, when I grew up, I used to play boys' cricket. Like I played all of my age group cricket at club with the boys' team. Never really was involved with a girls' team because I just wasn't one at the time. So, obviously, you've got women's club teams now that are starting to evolve more and actually the structure of that is actually starting to get better. Playing in boys' teams and in men's teams, how easy is that as a as a young woman? Is that I can't imagine for everybody that's going to be a particularly comfortable prospect. Well, yeah. So I'm still actually playing men's cricket right now at the. So I play in the home counties Premier League, which is the highest division in my area where I live. So I'm playing in my men's first team there still at the moment, and it's so funny. Like just turning up to a game and they're like, "Oh, there's a female playing at this level. What's going on?" <laughs> Yeah. Do you ever get that thing? They go, oh, we'll, we'll go easy on her. We'll go easy on her. And then they find out that you're brilliant and then you embarrass oh, I them. I had it. I had it last 
uh, my first year in that league, I went out to bat and we were batting out for the draw. I went in number 10. And they all told the guy to come in and bowl a short ball, a bouncer. And he stopped in his run-up. He couldn't do it. What? <laughs> he, had, he had to go back and revolt. Yeah, he couldn't do it, which is quite entertaining. And then I hit him for, I think it was a four or something. And then I'm like, oh, no, she can play. She can play. Yeah, the, the anger comes back in and then you start yeah, getting some chin yeah. music. Yeah, then they start bowling the short ball. <laughs> so you keep wicket, getting the gloves on. When, when did that start then? Were you, were you just instinctively a wicket keeper? Sometimes... Oh, I probably became a wicketkeeper probably about the age of 10. So how, how did you become a wicketkeeper, I suppose? And what is it about that you like? Because sort of traditionally, wicketkeepers tend to be the sort of eccentric, quirky members of the team. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. So. I mean, um, well, probably back, obviously, when I was 10 years old, it was Friday night training, boys team. And the coach who was there at the time, his son keeps wicket. And I think we were doing some fielding drills and he turned around to me and he was like, have you ever tried wicketkeeping? And I was like, no. And then ever since from that day, tried it, loved it. And You've yeah. been, you were recruited into a very special club. Um, yeah. So uh, wicketkeeping heroes then, who, who, who do you look up to? I mean, I've always looked up to Sarah Taylor, to be honest, in the women's game. Um, there's I mean, so many, Jack Russell, there's so many. Right, There's so okay. many keepers, yeah, that you can look up to. I mean, I love, I absolutely love how Josh Butler's come into the media now and shown everyone what he can do because he is a good keeper, and you've got so many new brilliant keepers coming through the ranks. To be honest, what's the what's the atmosphere like within the uh, the women's rapid squad at the moment? No, I think it's it's going it's quite good. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously playing in the new night kit, which we can't fault. It looks lovely. So, it, it does um, look sharp. Oh, it looks it looks lovely. So you can't fault that. I mean, every year we've been given the same amount of kit as what the men have it's just as and when sometimes sponsors like the women sometimes would get a different sponsor but i think this year like it's all starting to come together really well we both had the same kit sponsors with morgan's and i so i think the support's come in really well to be honest and we, no one's ever not got on between the men and the women i mean everyone keeps in contact so i think the support there is really good brilliant um and the squad itself so the collection of players that you've got what are the other players like what what are you like as a team Oh, God, there's a few pranksters. Obviously, Emma a lot. She can get away with being a prankster a few times. Oh, you've got quite a lot of funny characters in the team. Everyone actually bounces off everyone. So if I had to go through them all individually, they'd all have like their pros and they'd all have their cons. <laughs> so they're a good bunch. Yeah, really good bunch. Yeah, we're quite a young team this year, which is quite nice. I mean, in the past, it's always been, you've always had quite a lot of older senior players. But this year is the first time we're actually seeing quite a lot of the youngsters coming through the pathway into the women's team which has been quite nice it's only may but can we expect can we expect to see you back at worcestershire next year is that the plan oh definitely yeah I, i'm not looking to move anywhere just yet <laughs> oh brilliant okay that's there we are that's uh that's chloe hill uh worcestershire rapids female captain she's all right isn't she what a, an absolutely lovely interview and kudos to you jim for mentioning donuts that was uh surprised not surprised you got that in well i do have a reputation certainly when i used to play that uh, i could i could put away a fair few donuts at tea i'm all right with that i can own up to that um but i, I tell you what was um was lovely about that was that sense that the the women's team really are ingratiated in the club and they have the same sponsor now and they have all the all the kit and there's that connection with uh, with the men's team as well and i think that's fabulous yeah completely yeah, I agree with that yeah there's um not been the case down the years, and it's great that uh, things are moving that direction across the country as well, isn't it? Um, uh, little things like, yeah, I mean, you asked about um, playing against men's sides, um, people not wanting to bail bouncers and that, and I think that sort of attitude will change the more we see women's cricket 
uh, aligned with the men's cricket, given the same sort of respect as, as the men's cricket is given. So, yeah. Yeah, great news. If uh, if you are indeed a young lady or you have a daughter um, who might want to get involved, then there are ways that you can do that. So if you head to the WorcestershireCricket.co.uk page, they've got a women's section and there are, well, there's uh, an increase in women and girls cricket by 74%. Um, in in the past couple of years, so uh, nearly one thousand five hundred women and girls have picked up a bat and a ball, which is pretty good going. Um, head to the website and you can find contact details of people that work within the Worcestershire Cricket Board, particularly for the women and girls teams. So there's plenty of information on there. Head to WorcestersheCricket.co.uk and look for the uh, navigational bar women's and girls cricket, and you can find all you need to know. And why wouldn't you? It's a fabulous game, and it's for everybody. Okay, uh, let's move on to any other business. Now, Daz, we had some homework set for us by Jonah, one of our regular listeners, didn't we? So what did he have planned for us this week? Yeah, so this week, Jonah set us the task of finding some weird dismissals. I've picked out this one first of all. This is Junaid Sadiq being bowled by Chris Martin in a test match between New Zealand and Bangladesh. Oh, that's just... Dismissal you've ever seen in your life. Can you can you comprehend this? It's just unbelievable. Never seen it before. You'll never see it again. How am I going to describe this? Very good question, Daryl. How are you going to describe this? So Martin's bowled a bouncer. Uh, which Shadik has uh, sort of fended off, but it's tried to fend off, and it's come off his shoulder, his right shoulder, flown up in the air, and as he sort of glances around to see where the ball's landed, he can just hear the rattle of it as it clips the bales on the way down, and he's out bowled. He's really, basically... Really he's, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. So. He's managed to nick the ball, but it's gone vertically up, and it's yeah, disappeared. No one knows where it is, and then the ball just falls down and lands on top of the bales. Yeah, incredible. Um, it, poor lad, it was on his debut as well. It was his test debut for Bangladesh. So. Well, I mean, they always tell you to watch the ball, Daz. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. It's a tough old game. So is that your one, then? Is that your unlucky ball in the air, no one can see where it's gone, ends up landing on the top of the bales? Is that your, is that your all-time... Well, I, think, I think I've got an even more unluckier one. Um, now, we're going to play a clip here from Australia versus New Zealand. And this is a, a ladies' match from 2019. This is Heather Graham bowling to Katie Perkins of New Zealand. Oh, oh catch that. Oh, oh my out. goodness. This, is that <laughs> out? That looks out. Miracle. I think that's out. <laughs> that is out. Have you ever seen I something like that before, Alice? The plan has come and worked. <laughs> Katie Martin, what have you done? Um, <laughs> right. Um, what well, did is, Katie Martin do? Well, this is, there's a very similar one involving Australia's Andrew Simmons, where he smashes the ball into a Michael Clarke's foot against Sri Lanka and then is caught at mid-wicket. And this one is very similar. So she's um, played a straight drive, straight back past the bowler, and it's hit the edge of the non-striker's bat. It's looped back up, and the bowler's taken the easiest caught and bowled you've ever seen. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, as well, because the, the bat sort of, like, propels out of her hand, and it's... Um... Yeah, yeah, the bat flies out of her hand, yeah. Uh, it, sort of, it hits the edge of the bat, uh, sends the bat flying, and then the ball, I mean, just couldn't have been easier for the bowler. Loops right in front of the bowler. Thanks very much, and there's the strangest appeal, because they don't know 
Well, the other thing is quite sure what actually happened. We can retweet that one, actually, so everybody can see that for themselves. Okay, so what's the deal, then? We're going to figure out which is the oddest. Which one's the oddest for you, then, Daz? Come on, who, which one are you nominating? I, I, I'm going for that second one. To find your partner's bat. I, I've never seen that before, either, so I'm, I'm going for that, that, that ladies' match at the, uh, at the end there. Very well. Uh, Peter, you are, as always, efficient and effective. You have one suggestion, and here it is. Has gone through the slips. Got a bad bounce in the end. May go and hit the fence. Does it have the legs? No, it stops. Oh, they're thinking that it's... Yeah! Oh, that's out. That is... What's going on there? Well, it's utter madness. And again, I think we're going to tweet the video <laughs> to this one so people can have a look. This is Azir Ali for Pakistan, who guides the ball down through gully. Uh, the batsmen make an assumption that the ball's gone for four. They stand in the middle of the pitch and have a chat to each other. Um, I don't know, you know, talking about the tea. And uh, the Australian runs after it, picks it up, throws it in, and uh, Payne takes the bails off and he's, and he's run out. All because they just assumed that the ball had gone over oh, the rug. I love everything about it because you've got two, two batsmen in the middle of the wicket just going, well, yeah, if we just, uh, if we just keep our head down and bat on till tea, everything will probably be... Oh, alpha, alpha, yeah. It's, it's absolutely schoolboy in its worst sense, isn't it? The ball plugs... <laughs> And I, I mean, the, the, the thing, no, no team will enjoy that more than the Australians either, will it? Like, well, the, initially, I thought there was a bit of kidology. I thought that the fielder had maybe slowed down to give the impression that it had gone over the rope, but he doesn't. He runs after it, full pout, and throws it in. So I, I just can't understand it. It's, they're just not paying attention. It, it, it is foolish to the, the most, well, I was going to say the highest level, because it's the lowest level. That, it, means, it can only be described as utterly village. Um, Absolutely. Okay, right. So here's my suggestion for odd dismissal. Here we go. And the next one is put. Now they're asking for an appeal here. They're throwing the ball in. Inzamam, I thought, might have been out of his ground. Now, if he is in the line of the of the wickets here, this is going to be a huge one. What is the both the umpires? And he's given him out. And he's not happy, and he has to go. Inzi's not happy. That's a rarity, wasn't it? It wasn't his nickname. <laughs> the Indian fans used to call him the Raging Potato. Uh, Inzi, I've picked, I've picked Inzi and this dismissal because it's a comedy dismissal, and it doesn't involve him being run out. Which uh, you know, if, if you don't, if you, if you are of a, a younger, a younger listener, Inzi was run out every other week, uh, usually in comic fashion in the middle of the wicket, just screaming at his partner. Um, yeah, it was never his fault, was it? Uh, uh, Pakistan versus India, of course it was. Uh, basically, what happened? He just played a little. He just uh, pushed the ball out to uh, mid-off. Mid-off fielder picks the ball up. There's never a run on in this one-day international. He's just stood there like the big lump he is, just outside his crease. And the Indian fielder just lobs the ball at him. And because the ball's in the in the air at him, not very hard, he just does what anyone else would do, and he just plays a nice on drive with it, uh, and gets given out for obstructing the field. It was. It's the most of all of these. These these were quite entertaining. This is the most sort of like. Oh, is that? Can that be a? Oh, ah, ah. I think the problem is he's he's, he's battered the ball away. If he's, if it's just hit him, like you say, it was just lobbed to him, wasn't it? it yeah. Or, or the ball. I mean, just by the way, his bat a yard behind him and got himself in. If he had just turned around and put his bat in, yeah, and it hit, it hit his yeah. backside or something. But the thing is, the ball was never hitting the stumps either. It's a million no, no, miles no, no, away no. from hitting the stumps, yes. and he's just doing what any child would do. Like, oh, the ball's there. I'm having that. Click. Yeah. Uh, get out. See you later, Inzi. Oddest, oddest dismissal out of the lot. Then what are you picking? Oddest. I, I'm, actually, I'm thinking Inzi now. 
Are you really? Because I'm now thinking Pete's. I think I like Pete's the most because it's just so utterly appalling. I mean, Indy's just I like... I mean, Indy's is the least fun, but it's the oddest because you just look at it and think, well, what on earth are you doing? Put your, just put your bat in, man. Yeah. I'm happy to go with that as well because if Jim's happy, both of us are going to have an easy life. Now, so let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's give Jim the win. Are you implying? Thing. Are you implying in some sort of fashion that I am a prima donna and uh, and, and a diva and difficult to deal with off camera? Your, your words, not mine. That, well, I, I, there was that was a question, right? Okay, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on. So, uh, we have determined then that the honour pair oddest dismissal is Inzaman or Huck obstructing a fielder he's a big unit he can obstruct most things if he wanted to um i think it's been mentioned any other business for next week we're gonna have a crack at naming england teams this is quite serious what responsibility what are we gonna do without ed smith here to help us out boys can we get him on yeah he's probably got better things to do hasn't he to be fair no, maybe he hasn't maybe he hasn't i'll put a call in um right if you want to get hold of us you can find us on twitter it's at on underscore a underscore pair if you want to find daryl butler he's at dazza b back home all one word if you want to find me i'm jim dale you'll find me on twitter at james f dale if you want to find peter de sonberg he'll be having secret meetings with tabloid journalists telling tales of my drunkenness and cruelty because quite frankly i am that bad we'll see you next week peace So oh.